0: Well, good morning again, everyone. I feel like I just saw you. (laughs) My name's Drew Collins. I'm the worship arts pastor here at South Sub, and I want to start this morning by saying God loves you right where you are today. God loves you. And my hope as we spend a little bit of time together this morning is that you encounter his love for you and that you get to know him a little better. Today we conclude our series of talks focusing on the four foundations we emphasize as a church. Pursuing God, raising families, giving ourselves, and reaching others are the most important things we can do as followers of Jesus to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. Each week during this series, we've explored why and how we do each of these four things. This morning we wrap up by exploring why and how we reach others with the love of Jesus. How many of you are familiar with nailed-it memes? that sound familiar? You open up Pinterest, and you see a side-by-side picture of a professionally produced product and an at-home DIY version of the same thing. Now, my favorite nailed-it memes have to do with food. Uh, here are a few. Can, can we just enjoy that together? <laughs> you know what I love about this one? Look how pretty the flowers on top of the right one are. And then, then right after the tip of the iceberg, it just all goes south. Um, but this one might be my favorite. Okay, check this out. This is the professionally done one. Isn't that a a fantastic hedgehog cake? Um, Now look at this. (laughs) Part of why I love this is that, like any good pastor, I really enjoy watching people fail. No, just kidding. No, honestly, it's because I can relate This is how I feel so often in life. I see in my mind a picture of how something will turn out, and then it ends up as a rabid hedgehog with dentures. Um, Now, I also share these memes with you today because I think that they illustrate how a lot of us feel when we try to share our faith in Jesus with others. We want to be compelling and persuasive. We want to have just the right words. We want lives that match the truth of what we believe. But when we try to invite our coworker to church, it comes across like, <laughs> I've met the most powerful, invisible being. He's over here. You know, it just comes across that way. So it feels ironic this morning for me to lead this talk because I can honestly be a painfully awkward conversationalist Um, I regularly have doubts about my faith. And there are a lot of days when my life doesn't match up with what I say I believe. Can anyone relate to that? Mm -hmm. Of course, it's just like Jesus, isn't it? To look at those qualifications and say, nailed it! (laughs) Perfect! You're just the one I want. Now, for those of you who are here today and have questions about this whole Jesus thing... I'm so glad that you're with us. My hope is that you'll begin to discover that Jesus is way cooler than he's sometimes made out to be, and and that following him is not only a viable and coherent option for life, but is in fact the best way to live life most fully. In your bulletin, you'll find a notes page. Um, I'd encourage you to make use of those because this is going to be amazing. Joking aside, um, I hope that you'll find today's talk to be honest and helpful. Uh, We'll begin by exploring a couple things not to do, and then conclude with a few things to do in reaching others with the love of Jesus. So let's jump in. The first thing on our list of to-not-tos is this. Don't assume that being a Christian makes you a better person than your neighbor, What? In case you're wondering, there's a much simpler way to say that, but it's not really Sunday morning appropriate. (laughs) Um, Don't assume that being a Christian makes you a better person than your neighbor. Um, As it turns out, your goodness has never been and will never be a qualifier with God. Do any of you recognize that the Bible talks about that? In fact, there are lots of people who don't follow Jesus who are more kind, more gracious, more compassionate, and more generous than the Christians they know. Does that surprise any of you? I mean, if you've lived life very long, it shouldn't. I mean, perhaps you've even been in some of those conversations. Oh, she's one of the kindest people I've ever met you know she's not a Christian? Yes, but she's genuinely nicer than you are. <laughs> it's cause for humility to realize that becoming a Christian doesn't make you better than your neighbor. Now, here's the thing. That's good news for all of us because do you know the biggest difference between someone who follows Jesus and someone who does not? The person who follows Jesus said yes to God's grace. That's it. They said yes to God's grace, and now God is at work within them to become more kind, more patient, more compassionate, and more generous. That's what it means when St. Paul, in a letter to some early followers of Jesus in Ephesus, wrote, it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. That means you don't have to pretend that you have all your junk figured out in order to follow Jesus. And it means you don't have to figure out life on your own. That's good news, because if your neighbor also wants to follow Jesus, they don't have to sort out all their junk first in order to start following him doesn't that lift a burden from our shoulders? I mean, honestly, saying yes to Jesus means you don't have to pretend you've already arrived. You can agree with God that we all need help, and you can ask him to start shaping you into someone who brings hope and life and joy to the world. I mean, face it, your neighbor's Already know you're not perfect. They hear what you say to the TV during Broncos games. <laughs> so get over the assumption that somehow you're better than them because you're a Christian. It will carry a lot more weight when you tell your neighbor that God gives people the grace to follow Jesus imperfectly, and then they see you ask forgiveness from your kids for messing up a parenting moment. That's powerful. And that's real. So lay down the burden and don't assume that being a Christian makes you a better person than your neighbor. That's the first point. Second, don't make a person a project. Let that sink in. Some of you may need to write down, note to self, my spouse is not a Buick. In the same letter from Paul to the Ephesians, he goes on to say that we are God's workmanship, his masterpieces created in Jesus to do amazing things that he's already planned out for us to do. Now, to create a masterpiece, an artist requires an enormous amount of talent, an eye for detail, tremendous passion and creativity, unwavering patience, and a vision for what the raw materials will become. The Bible says you are God's masterpiece. However, there's a difference between an artist's approach to the work and God's approach. An artist does not go into the process thinking she is about to create a masterpiece. Typically, it's years or centuries later that people begin to see that work for what it truly is. God, on the other hand, informing each of us, knew going in that he was doing his best work. Amen? He knew from the start he was creating masterpieces. Listen to this poem from Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We're God's masterpiece. And I love this poem, and I love that it's not the only kind of its type in the Bible. Throughout the scriptures, you can't escape the fact that every person bears the image of God, and because of that, every man, every woman, every child is worthy of love, worthy of respect, worthy of honor and dignity, from the immigrant to the president, from the refugee to the celebrity. From the life of the unborn whose name we don't yet know, to the taker of lives sitting on death row, as Christians, we can never use our tongues to dehumanize. We can never buy into the lies that our neighbors are only animals who breed undesirable things. No one has to earn our respect. Or speak the same dialect as we do to be worthy of the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For Christians, it is never a choice between love and indifference because every person bears the divine imprints of the God and Father of all. That is why we do not make people into our projects. God sees every person as unique and he knows our needs. He's prepared all of our days and times, given specific gifts and talents to maximize in order to shape us into a breathtaking opus he's always had in his mind's eye. When we consider those whom we want to reach, we must remember that we're not beginning a project. We're beholding a masterpiece. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, "You." Are a real piece of work. (laughs) Here are our don'ts. Don't assume that being a Christian makes you a better person than your neighbor, and don't make a person a project. What should we do then? Well, Peter one of the first 12 disciples, wrote a couple of letters to some of the early followers of Jesus. In his first letter, he said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now look at that passage. Peter wrote that letter to people who were living in really difficult times. Interestingly, in the midst of their difficulties, Peter was confident of two things. First, that followers of Jesus would have hope while they were undergoing suffering. And second, that that hope was so unique and compelling that it would inevitably lead to people asking them about it. Peter would say to us today that when they ask, be prepared with gentleness and respect to tell your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, and your family why you have hope. So the first thing to do in order to reach others is to know why. To be prepared to give an answer, you need to know why you follow Jesus. Know why you've placed your hope in him. Now, in preparation for this sermon, I sat down and wrote out Why I have followed Jesus. So I'm going to show you my list of whys in rough chronological order. For the sake of those who will listen to this talk online, I'm going to read them. This is my list of reasons why I've followed Jesus over time. My parents did. I was afraid to die and go to hell. Uh, I didn't know how to handle guilt and shame. I wanted to know God more. Church people cared for my family. Um, I did it for the paycheck and a sense of security. Uh, Jesus has never abandoned me. And he loves everyone. So that's honest, huh? I'd encourage you to reflect on your life. And know why it is that you follow Jesus if you do so. Be able to articulate the reason for the hope that you have. If you're not sure why, that's okay. Take some time to reflect. Because sooner or later, someone will ask. The second thing to do to reach others is to ask questions. Going back to the previous point, ask questions of yourself. Why do I follow Jesus? What difference has that made ask questions about your faith why christianity why jesus why is the bible such a big deal why is church important what do i do with my doubts ask questions about your faith ask questions of your neighbors and co-workers in case you weren't aware people typically enjoy talking about themselves (laughs) So, so go ahead and ask about their family Ask about their favorite toy growing up. Ask what gives them a sense of hope and purpose in life. And ask good follow-up questions. Here's a great example of a follow-up question. You moved to Denver a year ago with your family. What impact has that had on you? Here's an example of a bad follow-up question. So you grew up in Kansas. Is that why you are the way you are? (laughs) Patrick, that was for you. Yeah. (laughs) When you ask questions, when you ask questions, a few powerful things happen. Um, You acknowledge that you don't already have all of the answers. That's big, right? You show that you're genuinely interested in getting to know others. And... You demonstrate as you ask all these questions about your own life, about Christianity, about others, that you are courageous and mature enough to handle the answers that you find. So ask questions. Lastly, show up. For some of you, you may need to edit this just to say, shut up. <laughs> Give up. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, buckle up. But show up. Be present. On the list of my whys that I showed you a few minutes ago, I tend to live these days right in the middle of the last two reasons. I follow Jesus because in spite of myself, he's never abandoned me. <laughs> and because he loves everyone. In short, today I follow Jesus because he showed up. He showed up for me and for you. In the Bible, it says that God loved us so much that he showed up in the person of Jesus, full of grace and truth, to win us back from all the wrongs that we've done and all the wrongs that that we've done to others. One of the best ways to reach others and to let them know that they are known and loved is to simply show up. Help them shovel their walk. Offer to assist them with the big project at work. Take them to Starbucks. Look up from your phone and look them in the eye. Show up. Be present in their lives. Around the dinner table, we have this rule in our house. It's called priority to those present. (laughs) We live on our devices in my house. But at dinner, what we say is we're going to value the people who are right there around the dinner table more than our text messages and more than our phone calls. Priority to those present. But in order to play by that rule, you have to show up. (laughs) So today we've explored briefly a couple of things not to do and then a few things to do to reach others with the love of Jesus. Well, now it's time for practical application. So, in a show of solidarity with all of the students going back to school, you'll leave today with homework. You're so welcome. <laughs> Here's the assignment. Ask one person to come to church with you on September 9th. That's it. That morning we'll begin a series of talks about the Bible called, The Good Book. Uh, Would you agree with me that the vast majority of people in our culture have some familiarity with the Bible, but very few would say that they understand what it's really about? Would you agree with that? Well, the good book is a series, an eight-week series beginning on September 9th, where we're going to explore the overarching story of the Bible, and we're going to unpack the eight big ideas that are found in its pages. So your assignment, which is also a good way to practice the things we talked about today, is to invite someone to come with you to church on September 9th. You are the best opportunity that your neighbors and coworkers have to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. Did you know that? As it turns out, I'm not the best representative for that because I don't know your neighbors. But you do, and you're in their lives So you're the best opportunity they have to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. You also are the best person to invite them to join you on the journey. Listen, we've, we've printed invite cards to the good book so that each of you can take one home and ask God who the one person is to invite Now, listen, you might come back next week and say, I tried asking my neighbor to come with me to that good book thing on September 9th. I'm pretty sure I just came across like a rabid hedgehog with dentures. (laughs) It's okay. Um, The point is not to reach a quota. The point is to love people well for the sake of Christ and to get to know them for their sake and for your own sake. Because at the end of the day, Your crusty neighbor, Ned, might be a real piece of work. But as it turns out, he's also a masterpiece. So reach out. So we have our assignment for the next couple of weeks. But we also have the opportunity to respond this morning. So I'm going to invite Pastor Patrick to lead us in our time of response today. Amen? Amen.